0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Professional Subordination, Part 2. Here we go. I don't want to be a dead horse, but I think this idea that managers always communicate for the firm is a difficult one for a lot of folks. If you don't embrace that, this whole idea of murdering their unchosen alternative becomes really, really hard. So, let's talk a little bit about that with the danger of beating a dead horse, like I said, because we touched on it. Yeah.
1: Look, uh, folks, it's a hard thing. And, and I want to go back and say one other thing. If you're a young person listening and you you haven't yet learned that uh there are many voices and sometimes your voice is not the one that wins and you're passionate about everything. Good, good. Mike and I were there as well. We by the way, folks, the the people who are more senior in an organization, they haven't lost their passion. They just learn how to channel their passion in ways that aren't obvious to younger people and they get more stuff done. That's what we call wisdom or political experience or you know, political capital, if you will. But you may struggle with this because you're so passionate about things and that's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to struggle in front of your directs, but it's okay to struggle mentally, privately. So managers always communicate for the firm. Always, always, always. Here's the problem lurking for so many of us who don't want to truly accept that murdering the unchosen alternative. Once the decision has been made, we not only don't get to keep disagreeing just because it's the wrong thing to do. That's not the only reason not to keep disagreeing. Because it is the wrong thing to do. We also don't get to keep disagreeing because managers always speak for the firm at all times. Anything we say as managers can reasonably and ought to be construed as the firm's opinion. Okay? So, when you speak, young manager, young Padawan, you are speaking for your organization all the time. Any personal opinion you share is essentially can be heard and ought to be heard as what the company thinks, okay? The right to speak for the firm isn't something we use only when we're promulgating new ideas or new projects or or just news about the firm. It's not a responsibility that only applies when we're hiring somebody or, or when we're firing somebody, which are two of your role power authorities, Uh, or, Or when you're signing a review, which is one of your responsibilities as a boss, right? You wouldn't ask some random person to go sign one of your direct reviews. You would sign it, right? That's the company allowing you to speak for the company. By the way, this is why companies don't allow managers to give referrals, to give references. You've heard this before, right, folks? You've heard, oh, I'm sorry, I can't give you a reference. The firm has a policy. It's because managers speak for the firm. And the firm is trying to, to limit its liability, actually, in that case. You don't only speak for the firm when you're assigning work among your team, amongst your team, which is, of course, part of your responsibility and your authority as a manager. Look, for, for those of you who are clever enough to figure it out, the fact that you speak all the time for the firm, that's the flip side of the concept that nothing said to a manager is ever confidential, because the manager's first responsibility is to the firm. We did a cast about that a while ago called Manager Confidentiality. And what we said was you can't guarantee it because if you guarantee confidentiality without knowing what your direction to talk about, and then they tell you something that is malfeasance or that is illegal or immoral or wrong or affects the firm in some way, you're obligated to share it because your responsibility is first to the firm. Yes, we want you to care about your people. Yes, we want you to love them. And your first responsibility is to the firm, okay? The right, the responsibility that we're talking about here is ever present in such a way that we must communicate as managers with the assumption that everything we say will be assumed to come with the authority, with the imprimatur of the firm. So, as Mike mentioned this earlier, when we share our disagreement with a particular decision, particularly in front of our team when we fought for the other idea, we're setting up a logical fallacy in the minds ear of our directs.
0: Yeah, but your, your team knows when you're venting, right? I got a good relationship with my folks. They know I'm just venting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they do. Well, frankly, we think they they know it less than
1: you think they do. Probably. I mean right. – And think about it this way, folks. I know you're thinking, no, 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 they get it. They know what I'm binning. But how clear are you about every opinion your boss has? It's amazing to me how everyone assumes their team knows exactly what they're thinking and feeling. But then when you ask them about their boss, well, I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that. Didn't know how to take what my boss said about that. Your boss, when he said it, assumed you knew how to take it. Yeah, but I'm different, though. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, you're the one. You're the one. Uh, And and look, it doesn't matter. Uh, Even if they understand it this time. This time is about your personal opinion, but it creates doubt the next time when you are speaking for the firm, maybe about something that they thought they knew what you would do, but then you're doing different. And maybe they're going, gee, I wonder if this is his personal opinion. I wonder if he agrees with this or not. If one of your directs comes to you and says, well, do you agree with this decision? There's only one correct answer. Actually, there are two correct answers. One is yes. And the other is I quit. Right. I hate to say it, but ethically, that's the choice we have to make. Now, look, in order to maximize the productivity of the firm, you have to engage in a way that maximizes the productivity of your team. Uh, okay, somebody's going to write me and say, but Mark, what about suboptimization?" Yeah, yeah, we get that, okay? You can't indulge your personal interest in disagreeing with a decision at the expense of the team, in other words, complaining about the decision, causing them to work less hard and wasting the time while you're complaining and then have the team be less effective. Because if your team is less effective, don't complain about the company not being as profitable, right? Because it's everybody's team's
0: productivity added up that makes up the overall productivity and therefore profitability of of the firm, right? Okay, now I get you, right? But, you know, I'm working with my team. I'm trying to develop this relationship with them. And now what you're telling me to do here is, frankly, it's going to increase the distance between me and my team, right? They're going to see me as uncool. You know, yesterday yeah, I was telling yeah, them yeah. how great Plan X was, and now I'm talking about how great Plan Y was. And it feels like I'm putting some distance between us. I used to let them know what happened and how I thought the plan was wrong, and I shared all my thoughts. And frankly, I thought that brought us a little bit closer. And now you're telling me, gotta throw all that away. Oh, yeah. but no, one by the ones, way, but 101s one really, will solve that. So, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I can say is it's okay to say, yeah, I was for Plan X. But within one second afterwards, you have to say, and now I'm for plan Y. And here's why. Here's why we're going to do it. Here's what works about it. Here's what I like about it. Blah, 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 blah. If somebody says, I thought you were for plan X yesterday, say yes. And now I'm not. I'm for plan Y. And people roll their eyes. All they're doing is proving to you that they're unprofessional and make a note of it and tell them that and give them some negative feedback. But look, in a way, Mike, you're right. You're open complaining about the fact that you lost or you disagreed if you didn't if you didn't lose probably does bring you closer to your team but not in a professional way i'm going to take this to the extreme and some people are going to gasp but it's a bit like saying well i'm going to sleep with every member of my team it'll bring you closer but not in the way you're supposed to as a professional <laughs> okay i guess right okay guess. yeah right yeah And look, folks, your team wants you to be closer to them because they know that reduces your power in this situation and in other situations. They want you to be one of them simply because of the red sign on your forehead. They want that to go away. They want you to have that power with everybody else, but not with them because that reduces their risk. And that's what people think about when they're talking to their boss is their risk. But that's not a good enough reason for a professional manager. You're going to do things that are unpopular. If popularity were the only reason manager tools wouldn't exist... You're
0: making this management stuff
1: so hard. So so, so hard. So hard. Yeah. It's actually, the, yeah. And actually, this isn't management. This is professionalism, right? Because yeah. this <laughs> applies to an individual contributor as well. When an individual contributor wants his boss to do X and his boss says Y, the individual contributor is obligated professionally to say, okay, we're going to do Y. And I'm going to do Y to the best of my ability.
0: Yeah. Well, well, management would be so much easier if I didn't have to be professional while doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Management, we, that needs to be Horseman's 12th law. Or management would be so much easier if I didn't have to be professional all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What about the cases of ethics, right? You're not asking me to carry the water for my boss if he tells me to go embezzle funds somewhere, no, right? I'm not. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> Uh, we, we don't talk about ethics much on manager
1: tools because we assume it, because we assume all people behave ethically. And that's a good, broad assumption that will keep us from having to address every possible <laughs> minute exception to the rule. But there is an out when you're carrying the company's water. If what you're being asked to do is unethical, folks, it's okay to continue to disagree. It really is, okay? But now look, there are rules to abide by when you disagree for ethical reasons, the first one is, folks, it really does have to be an ethical reason okay it 's not ethics if you think the new plan is just monumentally stupid, okay look, there were engineers at Intel who thought that it was an ethical choice they were making when they moved from Intel moved from the memory business, which was low margin to integrated circuits, which was very high margin, and not only not only saved the company it really launched the company into a whole new level of being. And there are people who say, well, this is an ethical thing. I can't believe you're making this choice. And it, it wasn't an ethical choice. It was a business choice they were making. And just because you feel passionate about something doesn't mean it's an ethical choice. Look, having a strong disagreement is not an ethical disagreement, okay? You can't say, well, I, I have an ethical fire burning in me. I know I'm right. I'm afraid the company will go under, Frankly, folks, not to put too fine a point on it, but that's an unethical use of the ethical disagreement rule. Sorry, but it is. (laughs) You don't get to couch passion for an idea as ethics, okay? Disagreements about business results never rise to the level of being called an ethical disagreement, okay? Now, look, I got to tell you something. There is a solution when you feel your company is going to kill itself, Right. If you believe they're making a business choice that is so bad and so wrong, and look, if you're a first level supervisor, the chance that that's actually true is one in a billion. But if you believe it, okay, that the an company answer? is going to go out of business, right? Oh, then ooh, what do I do? There is a solution. Yeah, gather your courage or your convictions and quit. Right. Okay. And frankly, lucky you, because if it's going to put, if it in fact, I mean, you, you'll find out whether or not it's true, whether you were right or not quit and then find out if the company goes out of business. And if in fact, you're right, lucky you, you will be in the job market sooner than all those people flooding the market when the company goes under. And so it will have been a good choice. On the other hand, if the company doesn't go out of business and I'll bet you hundred bucks, they won't go
0: out of business. Right, it's just puffery at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're trying to justify it as an ethical disagreement. If they don't go out of business, well, then you made a mistake. And thanks to professional subordination, you shouldn't have stayed there if you really believe it's so terrible, but it's not unethical. So, so what are ethical reasons? Give me some examples. The process that you're going to be involved in or the outcome of the process is immoral or illegal. And I want to make a distinction there just because you disagree with the plan doesn't make it immoral or illegal. Your passion doesn't make something immoral or illegal. The process or the outcome violate the company's core values. Okay. If there's improper business contact, lying, intentional dishonesty, awareness of dishonesty, cheating, stealing, misdeeds, malfeasance, false statements, false documents, false reporting, threats to job security, threats in any way, shape, or form, misuse of power, let's call it that. If any of those things are involved in the process or the outcome, then those are ethical reasons. Now, guys, just to be clear, company policies are not core values. They're not. Um, I had a person say, I have an ethical disagreement with a hire that was made. There were 10 people interviewed and there was uh, one minority and the minority didn't get hired. And we violated the company core value of fairness. And I had to say to him, no, you didn't. I mean, there was an interview process and they believed this person not the minority was the best, best hire. And he says, well, I think we're violating a core value. No, that's, it, it's not unfair to interview people who are different and choose somebody who's not a minority. Okay. And he said, well, you know, really you know, we're supposed to be a diverse workplace. Well, actually you are a diverse workplace, perhaps not percentage wise, exactly right Compared to the the demographics of the the world that you sell and purchase sell to and purchase from, but no company makes that a standard. And so, simply because we made a choice, doesn't mean that we violated a core value. And this person then went and and actually believed that they had an ethical violation, and the company ombudsman was involved and said, no, it's not a violation. I, I reviewed it and it's fine. And then, by the way, went back to the person and said, "Hey, that really wasn't an ethical violation at all. I mean, just because we didn't hire a minority doesn't mean we're unethical." And the person quit over it. In fact, uh, it's, um, it's crazy. And I, he disagreed, and it was a way, it, to me it was wasteful. Right, lost all yeah. that goodwill that had built up over years. So, what does all this mean that I just shared, folks? The chances are you don't have an ethical reason, an ethical exception. Um, they're pretty darn rare. People are pretty honest. Now, look, if you're aware of it, right, okay, we understand that. Uh, But look, again, you might feel passionate about your disagreement, but passion is in no way any indication of any legitimate ethical concern, okay? There's another point. I, I said there were a couple of points here. The second point is you have to disagree privately up the chain of command while still carrying the water of the firm and doing what you're supposed to be doing regarding planning and action. This is the way we disagree. We disagree privately. We don't disagree to our team. We don't tell them about the, the ethical fight, the passionate fight, the taking up the banner of the poor and downtrodden that we're going to, we're going to convince the company it's wrong and everybody's going to become aware of it. You don't tweet about it. You don't put it on your Facebook. Okay. And if nobody finds out that you were fighting about it, that's okay. If your goal is to have people find out that you're fighting about it, I would recommend to you that that is an indication that you don't have an ethical concern, okay? Because okay. if you want people to find out that your firm is doing some, something unethical, you're behaving outside of the firm. There is a way to do it within the firm. And look, I'm not telling you that you should fight In a listless way, if you really believe an ethical violation has occurred, go ahead and fight passionately when you talk to your boss. And if your boss says, no, you're wrong. Ask to talk to her boss and ask to talk to his boss. Go to the company ombudsman. If you need to, after the, you know, you go up the chain of command with the open door policy, if you need to talk to the CEO, talk to the CEO, but you don't go crowing about it. You know, there are whistleblowers in the world that uh, there are whistleblower laws in the U S and they don't get named right they don't take out websites if you're thinking about taking out a website to publicize it what you're trying to do is circumvent the process and that's unprofessional and you ought to be fired for it you, know, you might you might lose and in which case if you lose if you believe that what the company is doing is unethical and you lose and maybe maybe in fact it is unethical and you believe you're right and in fact you are right I'm, I'm not passing judgment then you need to quit and maybe you need to sue the company right? Uh, and maybe you'll get paid a bunch of money for suing the company for doing that. The fact is the chances of that are one in a billion again. But if you lose and you want to take your ball and go home, quit. If you if you believe you're right when in fact there's no external validation that you're right from in, inside or ex, outside the company, then you're probably wrong. But if you can't keep doing the job of a manager professionally, doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, whether you want to or not without debate, you need to quit and go find another job. And suddenly that cast about keeping your resume updated is, you know, really is valuable. Yeah. But look, if the rule wasn't or if the unofficial professional response to an ethical concern wasn't to talk about it privately while continuing to do what you're supposed to do, Every potential concern would stop every potential revenue stream of the company or the project initiative if any person could choose to disagree. A lot of times when we talk about consensus, people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm shooting for consensus and I've got some people who are disagreeing. Consensus doesn't mean the absence of disagreement. It means the absence of disagreement that people feel so strongly about that they would fall on their sword about if you have eight people agreeing and four people disagreeing and you ask the four people, would you fall on your sword about this? And they say, no, you have consensus. Okay. And so we're not going to sit here and say, well, everybody who disagrees ethically should therefore quit. You may have to choose to stay and recognize that it's not, you were wrong, that it's not an ethical concern. And if, you know, if if 10 people tell you it's not an ethical concern and, and, and five of those people you trust implicitly, then you're probably wrong. And it's okay to be wrong sometimes. That's a good learning experience. But now look, if you do think you have a legitimate ethical concern before you go talking to your boss privately while continuing to act on the uh, the decision and the actions required of you and your team, ask three or four of your associates this question. Do you believe I have an ethical challenge to this situation based on my concerns, which are A, B, and C maybe? Now folks, it's important you don't ask Hey, is this concern ethical or hey, I have a problem with X. Can you see where that's an ethical concern? Right? I want to go fight this thing. Both of the latter constructs or questions are simply going to get you a yes, because you're asking someone to say to you, you're not ethical, and they're right. not going to do that. Right. What you need to do is say, you need to say that word challenge. That's the key word. You're saying that the bias ought to be towards the firm. You're the one challenging the firm, rather than asking your friend or your associate to challenge you. So you ask, do you believe I have an eth- a legitimate ethical challenge to this situation based on my concerns? Okay. And then if your concerns are, if your concerns are legitimate, but they're not ethical, your friend can say, well, legitimate concerns do, but they're not ethical. Right. And what you're doing is you're setting it up the company where the bias is for the company. Um, otherwise the way you ask the question, it makes it easy for your friend to say, yeah, sure, go for it. And of course, they're not the ones that are going to be, we're going to be fighting a, probably a very difficult battle. And look, it does happen. It does happen that there are ethical mistakes and we'll be the first to stand up right alongside you, but they're pretty darn rare. And so, that's why we have this cast to give you some simple recommendations about how to how to act when there is a challenge or how to react to ensure that not everything you think is a challenge is in fact a challenge.
0: Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, I want to bring up one point that I was thinking about as we were speaking here, and that this cast is largely from the perspective of- the direct whose manager or boss makes a decision that you don't necessarily agree with. And you got to go carry the water for the organization. But I want to talk, right. I want to kind of flip it around a little bit and just caution managers about this whole idea of murdering the unchosen alternative. What I see often are managers. And so you got Mary and Jim and Bill around a conference table. We're debating pretty vigorously how we're going to approach this, this particular product, Right and Mary makes some great points, yet I choose Bill's approach. So Mary's passionate about it. She obviously feels strongly about how, how she thinks. So I say, hey, Mary, for now, we're going to go with Bill's approach, okay? Now, what I've just done, as I said, for now, we're going with, with Bill's approach. And what I've now done is I've Ooh. given license, license to Mary to continue to work on it. Because what she walks away with the idea is, hey – if I work on it, if I, if I massage just a little bit and I come back and make my points a little bit better, it's possible that for now, will go away. And for now, it'll be Mary's approach. It'll be my approach. Folks, that's dangerous. When you make a decision, yep. you've got to make a decision. You can't let your folks off the hook or make them feel a little bit better by saying, "Ah, eh, maybe at some point we'll go down that path. But for now, we're going down this path. Yeah. The, the amount of wasted effort that Mary's going to spend on her, what was supposed to be the the, the murdered alternative is is incredible. Yeah, it's not murdered. And not and right. I think you have to say to Mary privately, Hey, listen, sorry, your idea didn't get, get chosen
1: and we're going to do this way. And so that's done. And she's going to look you and say, uh, 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 Right. And you say, Okay, thanks. We're moving on now. Yeah. And Mary, this is a good lesson for you. Okay. <laughs> the lesson is we chose something else. You're not every idea is going to get chosen and you need to let it go. And frankly, because you were the supporter of it, the biggest supporter, the biggest touter of this idea. You know, I'll be looking at you particularly. I'm going to want to see that you, in fact, are engaging on this actively in a way that's as good as anybody else. You don't get a pass because you disagreed with this in advance. It's just like getting offers and taking offers in the job search, right? There's making a case and then there's acting on a decision. There are two separate things. One, mini choice, many ideas are good. It's, it's, this is just like brainstorming, right? When we're brainstorming, you could say anything you want. You can say toothpaste. You can say peanut butter. It doesn't matter. And we're going to write it down and we're going to give you credit for that. And then we're going to decide we're going to do X. And then all the others are unimportant. We might keep them in our back pocket in case X totally falls down, but we're not going to talk about them privately. We're not going to plan for them. We're not going to spend 5% of our time keeping them fresh and new. We're going to murder them. And only if X fails are we going to come back and look at what might have been number two. Yep. Yeah. So, look, this, this is a hard lesson, folks, but it's an important one. Professionalism means subordinating yourself at times. The upside of having power is balanced by the downside of the responsibility that goes with that power, right? You're going to lose arguments, right? And, and yet, you've got to be willing to support the other side if the other side is has the idea that gets enacted, you don't get to continue your argument by underplaying the actions afterwards. That's unprofessional. It's rude, okay? You don't get to complain that you didn't win. You certainly don't get to do it in front of your directs. When you communicate responsibilities and actions to your folks, you have to communicate for the firm in a way that's best for the firm, that will get the best activity, the most taking of responsibility by your team. That means motivating others to act effectively rather than to bemoan what didn't happen. And frankly, look, why would you keep fighting for an idea if, in fact, you followed our first recommendation, which is to murder that unchosen alternative? Yeah, it's a hard lesson and it's a good lesson. And professionals at the top of your firm have learned that there are two parts to the process, fighting and then acting on whatever decision was made after the
0: fight. Good. Okay. So much for that short cast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, partner. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you again next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.